This is episode 249 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled Family Circus and Jeff Keen. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts, the show about stuff we like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to be joined by my co-host, Bill Aho, who has an ear for good music and an eye for the extraordinary. Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts is brought to you by Discreet Guide, a training company for improving your speaking and writing skills. We hope you enjoy the show. I am so pleased to welcome a new guest to the show today. I've got Jeffrey Keen with us, and Bill Aho is here too, holding down the co-host seat. And Jeffrey Keen is the current cartoonist for the cartoon Family Circus, uh, which I was erroneously calling Family Circle. And some of you may actually know it by that name, because for a short period of time, it was known by that. So welcome to the show, Jeff and Bill. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'll just have a brief introduction here about the history of uh, Family Circus. So it was originally Family Circle. The idea of Family Circle is actually great because you all may know this cartoon as one that is a single frame and enclosed in a circle. It's a syndicated comic strip created by cartoonist Bill Keen, who is Jeff's dad. And since Bill's death in 2011, is currently written, inked, and rendered colored by his son, Jeff Keen. The strip generally uses a single caption panel with a round border, hence the name of the series, uh, which was eventually changed to Family Circus from Family Circle. The series debuted on February 29th, 1960, and has been in continuous production ever since, which is just remarkable. According to the publisher King Feature Syndicate, it is the most widely syndicated cartoon panel in the world, appearing in 1,500 newspapers. And its uh, compilations of family circus comic strips have sold over 13 million copies worldwide. To say that this is a popular cartoon strip would be really an incredible understatement and extremely well known. I mean, you could probably talk to uh, essentially every American, and they would know what this cartoon is. It's really just an incredible legacy. Okay, so one thing that really amused me about reading the Wikipedia article was the lengths that people have gone, fans of the strip have gone, to figure out like who's who in the family. And it's about a family. And the children in the cartoon and the cartoons often refer to other people, other members of the family, the dogs and grandmother and so forth. But it's amazing to me how curious people are to figure out like who's who in the in the cartoon. So people get very invested, in short, in this cartoon and the antics of the family and the children. And one of the things that also struck me as kind of funny was that there's a running gag in the early. Uh, versions of the cartoon of one of the kids taking over the cartoon strip. And then like the drawing is different, right? Because it's done by a kid. And then that also is quite humorous because sometimes Billy, the one who allegedly takes over the comic strip, but from time to time gets things kind of mixed up. And so there's always a lot of humor involved with that as he misunderstands what words mean and so on and so forth. So d does that sometimes strike you as ironic that here you are now having taken over the cartoon strip, just as your dad thought maybe Billy would in the past? Well, Billy really was a combination of all my brothers. The, the, the kid, people in the cartoon when dad started, there was only three. There was only Billy, Dolly, and Jeffy. Um, I was two when my dad started it. And so that's why Jeffy's in there. And I was also clearly his favorite child. Uh, <laughs> but he, my sister, Gail, who's the oldest one, there was actually five kids in our real life family. My mom referred to her as Dolly as a little girl. And so that's where the name Dolly came from. Billy really was a 
uh, a combination of my other brothers. I have three other brothers and really my dad as a little boy. Oh, my dad was blonde um, as a little boy. And that's why Billy is blonde. And those cartoons that Billy does, the ones you talk about where mispronouncing are really pun gags because my dad was a big fan of puns ah. for years and years when he first started doing cartoons he did uh, uh he worked at the philadelphia bulletin did a thing called the fun book and in the back of it there was a thing called mirth quakers which used a lot of pun humor and so he was able to use billy as sort of a um a release for his uh jokes that a lot of people don't enjoy which are puns but we have always enjoyed as a family and um and i i you know they always look at it as being a lower low sense of humor but it really it takes a lot of thinking to come up with gags that have to do with puns but that's why billy's cartoons drawings were are are in there and it gives a nice different perspective for families oh definitely and the whole idea that they're I mean, that's one of the things that's interesting about families is every family member has a slightly different perspective. And really, you know, the, I think this is the one of the joys of this strip in general is just to explore the dynamics of families. And I know I've had the experience of talking to my sister or brother about things that I thought happened in our family. And they're like, what? No, that wasn't what you. <laughs> so family members, even when you think you're an expert in your own family, you know, they, yeah, you just have a different perspective. Well, Family Circus was really based on our family and actually a, a majority of the events that happened in the family circus also happened in our real life when we were growing up taking the vacations we did them as family vacations we actually grew up in Arizona originally we were from Philadelphia when um when i was 9 months old we all moved to Arizona and that's that was 1959 and the cartoon started in 1960 I think mainly because my dad always drew what was around him. When he was in the uh, World War II, he was drawing cartoons about soldiers and doing things. And then as we moved to Pennsylvania, or he, they, my mom, who was Australian, they had met in Australia through a roundabout thing. They ended up, he, he married her um, in 1948 in Australia. Um, and they came back to the U.S. and um, and lived there all those years. And my brothers and sister were born. And he he was successful enough that um, he was able. We were able to move as a family to Arizona because cartoonists can work anywhere in the world. Um, all they had to have at that time was a mailbox. Now, basically, all you need is a uh, an internet connection. <laughs> You can create and send whatever you want. But but as we grew up, dad was doing cartoons, selling magazine cartoons. And those type of, of um, ideas were always based on family. And so therefore, he the cartoon he created was really based on our family. He, he didn't really want daddy necessarily to be thought of as him. Mm -hmm. But mommy was definitely my mom. Um, the kids were us. And after a year or so, my mom said, well, you know, why are you trying to, everybody knows this is you. And so daddy became <laughs> looking more and more like my dad. At first, the, the daddy was sort of heavy and sort of a schlubby guy. Mm -hmm. and, but eventually, um, daddy ended up looking like my dad. And the mom in the family circuit, mommy always looked like my mom. And when she was... In the early 60s, when she would go to the grocery store, people would stop her and say, aren't you the mother in the family circus? Oh, my gosh, that's say, crazy. Yes, I am. And um, and so that was her. And those like, and we would go from Arizona to Laguna Beach mm. every couple of years until eventually we were doing it every year. And we'd spend about three weeks. The family would take a, a family vacation. We would drive yeah. in the car to Grand Canyon. We went back east. We drove around. All, all dad's family was back east. And so we visit them. And then the cartoons would 
tend to also be about what the vacation was or how families react during the vacation or staying in a hotel or whatever. When we went camping, then the next thing you know, the cartoon would have the family camping in the uh, in the wilderness somewhere, uh, which is something that we did. And um, and then visiting you know various cities, New York City or San Francisco or Chicago or places like that. By that time, we were all older in the 1970s. You know, I was I was in high school um, in the mid 70s, and so it was my dad's memories and his ability to make it relevant to the time it was in. But but knowing how families were. Because mm-hmm. when the cartoon first started, it was really more of a gag cartoon. It was more humor, you know, pretty typical type of family humor. But slowly, uh, it became having a little bit more sentimentality to it. There was a cartoon that Dad did, and I think in about 1967, 68, that had Jeffy coming in and waking up uh mommy and daddy and saying you know i don't feel so good i think i need a hug and that cartoon got uh such a positive reaction to uh people i think probably were looking for something a little different on the comics page um and my dad was uh smart enough through the help of my mom to realize you know what you don't have every gag doesn't have to be ha ha funny yeah, and just be uh, uh, about reality and family feelings and the way people react to each other. And if you look at the cartoon, you know it's it, because it's a one uh, line gag. You never see all the incidents that happened before that lead up to that. And if it's if it's you know all this family hubbub going on around the reaction to it, the parents have is probably different than you would do if you were, you were in that moment. Right. But um, after it, you can look back on it and have an amusement to it. But you didn't have to be laugh. Dad preferred to do a cartoon that was uh, had a tug at the heart or a lot of- an emotional connection with, with the audience, I would think. Yeah, and partly, you know, that was really his, the genius of that cartoon because there was... Thirty other cartoons on the comics page that were had very clever jokes and gags and and ways to look in the characters, but this was the one that you could look at and and in, in your own mind relate to as a family. You could see, and it didn't matter what family you you know how the family was configured. Uh, nowadays, it's still the feelings that are are presented in the cartoon are the same feelings that everybody has for their, you know, hopefully, you know, for their parents or their kids or whatever, or they had, they would hope that they had those feelings. There are, you know, obviously there's families that have a lot more problems than are presented in the cartoon, but that's for a different, um, different day than what we're, what I'm trying to present. You guys did so many cartoons in a year. I mean, every day and that must be like how you 65 <laughs> yeah and, and by coming up with ideas that daily i mean would your dad say hey go outside and, and do something funny or, or how would yeah. he yes yeah. yeah. so char- the child labor eventually got to get <laughs> stop no and it was it was hard you know during um the the, the, the cartoons are done about six months in advance so it was hard in arizona having to put on our snowsuits and stuff and going outside in the middle of the summer, <laughs> trying to do gags about, you know, sledding down a hill. No, it was, it was, uh, as I always said, it, it worked the other, you know, the other way around. People always thought the family circus was based on our family, but it was really our family that was based on us. <laughs> very meta. Yeah. 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 You both must be very observant. I mean, watching people and, and, and noting things. I mean, that takes a, a skill in itself and i'm sure your dad passed it to you with with the way he did it and it's just amazing well well you know we always thought dad was just following us around because he liked us but in the <laughs> he was trying to get ideas um, but uh but yeah it was it, it that's why everybody 
isn't able to be, you know, a cartoonist in that sense. It, it requires somebody to be very observant. My dad was very observant of the life around him and was able to look at that and make it into something that was uh, relatable to everybody. Um, and then, you know, he spent a lot of times writing down gags as we uh, certainly as we got to be teenagers and and uh, beyond that, then he had to wait till he had grandkids to be really getting the inspiration from little kids. But he had written down gags and he I, I've got hundreds of gags that he wrote as uh, when we were growing up that you can make changes to that would make them more relevant to today. But the idea behind them are the same is the same. Um, I certainly didn't have the skill that he had to observe. I think I do have the skill of I, w- I went to school at the uh, University of Southern California and in theater. Yeah. And um, and so that was really what I was that was what I was planning on being an actor or or something of that sort. And I started to work with my dad to give myself well he came to me and said um in 1981 or so he said hey you know would you how would you like to try and help put together some stuff that'll help further your career and and give you free time and I I agreed and he he was right because I've now never been further from my career which was uh doing this now Mm -hmm. and um but I, I slowly started to I would answer mail or I'd put together calendars or books that you were mentioning. I'd put those together. And then over time, I started to do the penciling. My dad eventually said, you know, why don't you try inking, Mm. which I had no skill at at doing at all. But uh, since I didn't know how to do it, I, I went and did it with a brush, just like the guy who was inking dad's cartoon was doing and learned how to to ink with a brush, hmm. which is not as common nowadays as it used to be. Hmm. And slowly, I was able to, at, you know, uh, with his help to create a to to be able to draw it and have it look like what he had always done. And uh, that's where it, over time it just became more and more until you know, really in the late 90s, 1990s. I was doing everything except really the the the, the gags, mm-hmm. and then um, in the two thousand and then uh, my mom passed away in two thousand eight, and I was doing you know ninety percent of the cartoon. Then Dad died in two thousand eleven, um, and so luckily it was able to just flow um, seamlessly in 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 the common man's view. Not in my view, you know. I, I can certainly see a huge difference. Between <laughs> what was what was done by me and what was done by my dad, but I I had such a backlog of ideas and cartoons that I was able to take those and hopefully make them appear relevant to to nowadays. And as I said, you know, families really don't change. The things around families change and. Um, you know, typewriters become computers and, you know, big boxy TVs become flat screen TVs. And so you just change those things around that. And, but the sentiment is still the same. And you have your own family now. Well, yes, but they're all, you know, my, <laughs> my kids are now in there. My my youngest is, yeah, tw- she's going to be 26 this year at 26. A uh, a twenty nine year old and a thirty one right now. He's going to be thirty two next year. Um, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, fortunately, you had a family, so you could yeah have yeah. more new raw material to work with. Yeah, but I re- I realized what a great what a genius my dad was because I didn't find any of that stuff funny when they were being. <laughs> when they were little- <laughs> I see. <laughs> when when you were growing up and and doing the cart, or your dad was doing the cartoons. Did, he, did you kids feel like I was more popular than that kid because he's featured more in the gigs or no? Because we didn't we didn't even read the cartoon. <laughs> like, no, um, it 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 didn't 
well, at least for me, I was I was in the cartoon all the time. So what did it matter? But you know, by the time I was where you know when when I'm in in high school and in a, doing a cartoon about Jeffy wetting the bed, it wasn't really a uh, a, a great thing to talk about <laughs> in school. But um, I, I don't think we ever were comparing anything to each other. It was more just because. Uh, Billy was doing something in the cartoon didn't necessarily mean it was Billy who did it in real life. If if Dolly did something, yeah, it would have been Gail probably, but it could have been anybody who who did it. And you know, my cartoons it had more to do with the ages we were at. That's why you know when it started, it was just Billy, Dolly, and Jeffy in the cartoon. And after about a year and a half, two years. Dad realized he couldn't do any cartoons about when we were little babies. Jeffy was too old, and um, so he we he added PJ to the cartoon that then what brought in the idea of a uh, you know an infant uh, mm-hmm. that creates a more fine family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I ever knew, but does PJ have a real name? Uh, well, yeah, it was Peter John, but it was. Oh. Um, uh, never really used. Never was really. That was only when the first the, uh, he, he was first born. I think that there might have been one cartoon or two cartoons that mentioned it, but he really was PJ. That was all. That was what it has always been, and never gets referred to other than that. Kind of like Gilligan. <laughs> yeah, only PJ isn't on a desert island <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, were you ever called Jeffy? Oh sure, yes, absolutely. When I was when I was a little when I was a little boy, yeah, I was absolutely referred to as Jeffy. But um, every once in a while, someone calls me Jeffy. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm not going to answer anyway, so it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that person. Yeah, it was I mean, only, it's only when I was it was when I was called Jeffrey. Then I was in trouble. So uh, so if, if mom called me Jeffy, that was good. But um, Jeffrey, then I then you know I'd have to figure out. So somehow that um, I don't know did it uh, or you know, oh that was a, that's <laughs> really funny yeah, yeah. Uh, not me right yes. that was one of the characters <laughs> I thought that was so clever yeah so one of the characters in the cartoon strip is called not me well you should explain this I can't well, that's it. yeah it's an invisible gremlin that that lives in everybody's house is the character not me as as anybody who says who. You know, who traped this mud into the house? Well, not me. Um, and we would all be not me as I stood there in my muddy, muddy shoe. <laughs> there was also I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then there was nobody. Those were the ones. And then the, and a, and there were a few times there was a character called Oh Yeah, which is, oh, yeah, um, I was supposed to, you know, be at school. You know, oh yeah, the bus is going to be was was arriving twenty minutes early uh, today or whatever it was. Yes, uh, as a mother, I've experienced yeah. that. Oh yeah, by the way, mom, I have to bring twenty four yeah. cupcakes to school tomorrow yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah our, our, it was it was more of a uh, waking mom up and say, yeah, I need to, I need an asparagus costume for the show. For the- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've run into you quite a bit at the at the Comic Con, and that's where I first met you a few years ago. At that point, you were the, the president, I believe, of the cartoonist um, the National, National Cartoonist Society. Yeah, right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the National Cartoonist Society started in right after World War II um, by the Milton Kniff. Um, Rube Goldberg, the the big names of cartoonists then were doing chalk talks for the USO or or those, and so they decided to create this uh, society of cartoonists who were all working cartoonists, and they ended up giving out the Rubin Awards, um, named after Rube Goldberg, um, which are equivalent to the cartoonist Oscars um academy awards and you know in various categories you know strip panel um editorial cartoon over time the um the the uh categories have changed 
but it really was a it was more of a fraternal organization that was would would try and you know, would meet once or twice a year maybe and do this awards. You know, cartoonists live such an isolated life that um, it gave them opportunities to to um, see each other. When it first started out, it was very East Coast centric. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, it eventually went over the United States till now. It's actually um, it is over, around the world in Australia. And there's English cartoonists and there's who are, who are members of the society. And, and now we. Um, we do have a couple. Uh, uh, there's National Cartoon Sound uh, Foundation, which does charitable thing, visiting hospitals or those we've done uh, about 10, 15 years ago. We started to to once again um, do USO tours when my my dad in 1968 or nine went to Vietnam with four other or cartoonists or so and, and did drawings for soldiers at, at hospitals and that's such a thing. And then it, it sort of faded out for years. And then the early to uh, late 2000s, um, it, it, we started up again with cartoon Jeff Bacon, who was a, he was in the Navy. He said, hey, how about if we start doing this again? And um, and was able to get the USO to uh, help sponsor. We went to um Germany we went to Iraq we went to Afghanistan they've wow. uh, been to a couple of places in Africa haven't, haven't done as recently we started out visiting the hospitals and so that's all part of the National Cartoonist Society's charitable arms that we and and when it isn't that then it's really an, an occasion to go and just see other cartoonists mm-hmm. um it's expanded now where it has almost, um, you know, it has cartoonists in animation and and uh, uh, book illustration and online comics. And we try and, you know, have it be a broader thing. And originally it was pretty centric to newspaper cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, a- as all cartoons, it's much more broad based. And we need we need those younger cartoonists to... Um, join the organization to um, continue on with the the idea and those type of things so that they can, um, you know, that remains uh, relevant to what's going on today. One of my favorite memories at a Comic-Con is, I met your dad once at the Comic-Con, just to say hi, I think he was there, but I was, we were leaving and as I walked out, I could see him talking to Matt Groening and uh-huh. I could just imagine the conversation that those two are probably having about families. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because people think someone like Matt Groening would not have any, uh, well, you know, what would he have that find family circus interesting when actually, you know, the Simpsons is the same basic, you know, it's a family dynamic and that, I mean, it certainly is way different family and much funnier and uh but Matt Groening was a a fan of my dad's I uh, you know and one of his best friends Linda Barry was a huge fan of Family Circus and I think that's where sometimes people get hung up on what the cartoon is based on and think well there's no way that they they would have anything in common they're they're both creative minds and they're able you're able to observe what the um what the appeal is it may not be the same appeal that you're doing but it takes a incredibly creative person to create anything nowadays every cartoonist starts exactly the same way well in in, when i start out is you know a blank sheet white sheet of paper what comes out of it is the same type of creation uh, uh process um, it doesn't matter whether you know the cartoons being done for Playboy or uh, or you know the newspaper. They're incredibly creative, and um, in some ways, that's the great thing about um, the National Cartoonist Society and the and the cartoonists in it. Rarely do you find people who are um, jealous of each other, so to speak, um, because I think we all know that whether you're in 10 papers or 
you know, 1500 papers, but still one cartoon, <laughs> one cartoon a day that you, that you, you've got to do. And certainly people are, you know, I'm, I'm way luckier than the guys who had to create it from the very beginning. You know, I was, I was grandfathered in or fathered, <laughs> yeah. um, which certainly, you know, I appreciate every day. And I understand that, that uh, I'm far luckier than any other of the cartoonists, except the other ones who are kids of cartoonists. <laughs> <laughs> except for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a well, create, for creativity is one of the things we champion on this show quite a bit and is something that People don't really, if you're not creative, you don't really think about it or they want to be creative and they think they can just go out and be that way. But it's something you kind of have to have a spark of otherwise. Well, I think people make the mistake of um, trying to create something that is uh, popular. And and I, that's, uh, that's a fool's game in some ways. You've got to, you know, anybody who ever asks advice about what, well, you know, I want to have a successful thing. Well, then you've got to, you've got to have it be based in on your beliefs or what you feel. And it's got to come from your um, experiences and your life. You can't just go, oh, you know, well, how, you know, you know, peanuts, a dog on a, a roof. How about it? How about if I have a cat on a roof? That's, <laughs> that's going to be successful. But in the end, you, you might be able to come up with something for a year. Mm. But this is, you know, at least newspaper cartoons are, you know, this is every day. And eventually you're going to burn yourself out. And anybody who's just sets out to be successful, you know, they don't care what the cartoon is. They, they just want it to be successful. They're going to find it doesn't have the, the depth that it needs in the long run because you've got to you've got to have it based on something you know the heart or mm -hmm. that you feel and and there then you're able to create something that's going to be a lot more successful in your own mind it may not be any more successful out in the world but at least you're creating something that you really that means something to you and and therefore that's the best you can do Tell me a little bit about drawing skills, because, you know, I, I get it when you say you've been fathered into this, mm -hmm. but, but that, you know, drawing, that, that's a real skill and you didn't well, go to it, art school and I guess it, your dad didn't either, but somehow you guys both no, are really good drawers. Went, yeah, my, no, my dad never went to art school. Um, and the only art school I went to was, you know, the, learning at his knee, mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, so uh, every, everybody actually can draw if you work at it and, and do it, but in the end, if you don't really like, love drawing, you're not going to be as successful as some. I mean, it's, as with, everybody can write in some ways, but you've got to really love to write in order to become a successful writer. You You can't just walk into it. And so, yeah, the skill of drawing is something that's important, but as you can see in a lot of cartoons now, you don't have to draw very well. I mean, as we, as we all see Pearls Before Swine, you don't have to draw really well in order to do the cartoon. But it's it's funny, you know, and and Stefan has created something that really means something to him. And it's it's funny. It's not it's not meant to be. And and the drawing of the cartoon in I find is is perfect for the cartoon it is. Mm -hmm. if, if Family Circus wasn't drawn as well as it is, I don't know that it would be looked at the same. And but certain cartoonists, you know, they they you might look and go, well, this guy doesn't draw that well, but it really fits the the cartoon. There's a, there's a cartoonist Kevin Fagan who's for years and he does Drabble cartoon, and I just I, I love Drabble. It was always funny. And relevant, and yeah, his drawing was was not as precise as uh, you know Prince Valiant or whatever, but it was perfect for what he created, and it it made it funnier because of the way he draws. And you know, if he if he drew uh, what would be considered more um, you know correct, you know, Bern Hogarth physical anatomy drawings 
it wouldn't be as funny because mm-hmm. the characters would it wouldn't it doesn't relate. And so drawing as important as it is a skill in cartooning, it's not necessary to be successful at. It has more to do with where the drawing your your skill of drawing in relation to what the gag is that you're or what the characters are you're trying to do. A, a true cartoonist is is creating what is good for him, you know, and uh, sometimes we get hung up on, uh, you know, how well something's drawn. And, and that's a different admiration than necessarily the success of a success of a cartoon. And every kid can draw. It's just whether they continue to do it or not. Hmm. And if it brings them joy, They'll keep doing it no matter what it becomes in, in their in their life, just like people who write. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm thinking as you're talking about all of the different aspects of cartooning that have to come together, especially if you just have a single frame. Because as you say, you know, there's observation um, and there's, I, I don't know what to call it. It's almost like a sociologist or something where you can see the universal aspects of something that's happening in a family and recognize that that's going to appeal to a large number of people. And the twist that you put on it, right? Obviously, Simpsons have a certain twist. Family Circle has a certain twist. But but you have to recognize that there's something universal in that, which is why we love the Simpsons and love... Well, that's right. I mean, you know... uh... Matt is doing something that he finds, you know, if he laughs, then most likely everybody <laughs> else is going to laugh too. And, you know, when my dad would do a cartoon, if it, if he enjoyed it, most likely everybody else would enjoy it too. You, you can't over edit yourself. Right. Spend time trying to, well, this isn't quite clever enough. Um, then you're going to end up with nothing because right. you, for one thing, you've, you've got to, You've got a deadline, so you better come up with something. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I was thinking that really shows in Family Circus is your dad's and probably yours too, um, and the joy that you take in words, right? Because there's a lot of writing that goes into making Family Circus. Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, you can, and I think maybe that's my theater background you know, mm. in some ways, I'm I am creating a little uh, play. Yeah, each uh, in the cartoon. So, um, you know, depending on who's speaking, Jeffy, Dolly, Billy, Mommy, Daddy, the 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 language or or dialogue mm-hmm. is different, and it's more relevant. And sometimes that actually makes the gag a little better because oh of yeah, pronunciation or whatever it is. And doing a you know, uh, Family Circus is a single panel. Um, most cartoons are strips, a series of panels, and there's pluses and minuses to each. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, the reader supplies the first panel, then the cartoon is there as a response. So you have to make up your own thing that happened beforehand, which sometimes can be harder to be to make sure that in the in the gag or in the the line, you understand what happened before, mm-hmm. right. unlike a strip where you can do the previous panel and you can and you can end it with the 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 gag. But then in strips, it's difficult because you've got you've got to come up with a a series as opposed to just being a single idea. And so that's a plus and minus in in both. There's difficulties and skills in both. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm realizing this combination of skills that have to come together to be a good cartoonist. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable when you think about it, all the all the things you have to know and be able to do. I think we think of drawing first, but yeah, there are all these other aspects to it. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. I guess you have to know what you're gonna draw in order to draw it. So you have to have some kind of picture in your mind that you're working toward. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, the words come first or, or drawings come first. Who knows? You know, it's like a chicken and an egg. A chicken can't <laughs> draw either. So, I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. do you have any favorites from your dad's era? Well, the the 
I don't feel so good. I think I need a hug is, is a cartoon that, because that was me. And, but there, I, I don't, what I like to do is I go back and I look and I, and I read the cartoon and I can, I can remember um, how it relates to my family <laughs> growing up. And I guess maybe that's the, uh, one of the joys of being able to do this is, you know, every day I'm thinking about my mom and dad, our our family, my brothers and sister. And, you know, I see that in the cartoon, which then reminds me of, you know, my family, my kids and how it, it's something that we don't, the average person doesn't get to do in their job. Everybody ha- who, you know, has a great love for their parents doesn't get the opportunity to see what they what they were doing when we were little or whatever and I get to I get to relate to that every day sometimes it's you know it it it, it brings tears to my eyes to think about oh yeah I remember I remember this or or a certain cartoon that dad did that you know growing up I certainly didn't realize the meaning behind them and I, I remember a, a cartoon um in the when I was in the 80s when I started looking there was a cartoon that had mommy and daddy arguing in the first it was a Sunday page that it was like three panels going across and, and arguing and fighting and 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 you could Jeffy's and that the Jeffy in bed and he's starting to be worried and then you see them fighting again and, and he's even more worried and then there's a panel of them making up you know giving each other a kiss and a hug and then Jeffy's back asleep because everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an exact um, replica of what I would go through. You know, my mom and dad would be arguing, or, or you know, Chris and I were in bed uh, in our room, and you could hear them arguing, and it always made me worried. You know, it's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with them? And then. You know, but it's eventually there was silence and it was and I would I would go back to sleep and I realized dad was on the other side of that. Right. However, I, I bet he was remembering it as his own childhood, his parents fighting over something. And then the as with all things, that anger in the end, the love that you have for each other overcomes whatever it is, and the and your kids go back to sleep nicely. And and I know at the time I thought I was the only one who was experiencing that, but then when my dad did it, clearly he had been experiencing it. He had been experienced on the other side, and it's something that's universal. It will always be. Yeah. No, no parents and family doesn't have them arguing at some point, and that's where I think some people get the misinterpretation or. Uh, they feel that the family circus, oh, everything's sunny all the time. Everything's so great, but it's not. It's a it, you know, they're they were real people, and that's that's the good thing about that. The cartoon is that I'm able to put in um, these real situations, and in the end, realize that the love of family is what is what's most important. It doesn't mean that they're a perfect family by any means mm-hmm. um it's just their people and they care about their kids just like 90 percent of other people do and um and they can relate to it yeah i think that's one of the things that we've realized right with family circus is that these family dynamics are so common right and right. and and that's you know, I think we think, oh, all families are dysfunctional and my family's super weird. There's no family like my family. And then something like for Family Circus makes you realize, no, actually, yeah, this is sort of just what it's like to grow up as a human in a human family. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they just they, they just go along and that. And if it had been anything other than that, then I don't think it would have been as successful as it is because- exactly. My dad wasn't editing to try and make the cartoon family be a perfect family by any means. But Oh, uh, no, not at all. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> lots of things that happen in there that I'm sure people would look askance at. Yeah. 
Have you had any experiences with people contacting you from other cultures or other countries where you're like, oh, I didn't realize this would work in this culture, but that it does? Um, it, it hasn't been translated in too many other languages, okay. I think, because, but it has. I mean, I know it was it was in French, it was in uh, Spanish for, um, and I think that has partly to do with uh, the play on words. Yeah, it'd be hard uh, to a translate. A lot of things, Dolly will mispronounce something, and it so it doesn't translate exactly that way. Mm-hmm. There are different countries that have, like Family Circus, it, it, cartoons in England and actually in Australia are different types of cartoons. Mm. A lot of them are a little bit more biting or a little bit more sarcastic or whatever. And therefore, Family Circus, uh, it, it seems very even more tame than what others. Uh, and so I'm not sure that it ever it doesn't translate quite as well um, into a newspaper. Um, the person reading it, the individual reading it would understand it, but they're but they're uh, and appreciate it that way. But they wouldn't the the newspapers it wouldn't necessarily have a cartoon like that in it because um it it's it's a little bit too easygoing and they like something a little bit wackier or you know Benny Hill like or or whatever it is yeah uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't select it because it doesn't really fit no, their no, editorial I, criteria and I, and I understand that that makes, yeah. that makes mm-hmm. sense to me I know I know it's uh it's in India um, oh. they've got, but you know, it requires, you know, certainly I don't translate it. Right. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not that smart to be able to, to do it in other languages and hopefully it translates well, or they, where they don't use certain cartoons or whatever it is, but there's books and, um, that they will translate the other languages and hopefully it comes across or, and if it doesn't, they should just tear out that page and throw it away. <laughs> And then, and then just keep keep the good good cartoons. That's was not relevant. One of my favorite things of the cartoonists is the April first edition, where at some point, I don't know who came up with it, but you guys were switching comics for yeah, that was, and that was really when it first happened. It was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. This is it's like different perspectives of things. Right. I was kind of wondering if. If you could pick the one you could do, do you have a, a favorite cartoon that you would like to draw for a April 1st type thing? Or do you have a, a bit that you've always thought, oh, this would work good for El Cap or whatever? I mean, no, not 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 really. No, I mean, that that was a one time thing that all the cartoonists exchanged or or not all the cartoonists, but there was a group of them that decided, oh, you know, I'll do yours and you do mine type of thing. And and it, it worked really well. I don't think it would work well every April 1st. And that was a that was a one time thing. Yeah. I know that Gary Larson mm. the far side was going to do the family circus. Oh um, wow. And yeah, yeah, my dad was going to do a far side, but in the end it didn't work out that way. Um, uh, I don't. I, I don't know if Gary. Uh, Gary might have been retired by then, mm. or had stopped doing it, and he wanted to. But in the end, it didn't. It didn't come about. But that would have been clever to see. I, oh yeah. I always enjoyed seeing the other person's uh, perspective on. Oh on yeah. Yeah, the mind reels at what might have <laughs> what might have been. Yeah, that's right. And and yeah. I, one of the things I thought was uh, interesting too was that you know that you have been so generous about other people spoofing Family Circus or um, like Stefan. <laughs> yeah, and the, that you thought you know, well, like, that's okay, right? You yeah, my dad. Uh, it, I, I learned from you. You can't, if it's not popular and and well known, you can't spoof it. Nobody will get it. And so it's, you know, I always find it to be a a, a sign of respect. Yeah. That they they come up and some of them are really funny. Um, some you know it's like okay, some are some are okay, some but you know and, and to me I I like to see them. I mean, there's. Um, Mark Tatuli, who does uh, Leo, he'll he'll put you know the, the kids in there or 
family circus. And I just, you know, I so appreciate mm-hmm. seeing that um, not only because it shows, you know, the, the legacy that my dad created to make it recognizable, but also it just becomes uh, funny to me mm-hmm. to see how they can be used, you know, who, who uses this or that. And if, if it's not well known, if it's not, a, you know, you can't parody something that no one understands. So it, it's a sign of success in, in some ways. And rarely is it ever mean spirited or anything like that. And if it is, if there is, then, you know, that I, I look at it, it's like, well, that's their, that's their thing. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate when somebody does, does that and, and does it well, like, um, like actually Stefan uh, has done and Mark has done. And there, I've got a file of cartoons that, oh. um, and it's just so great to be able to see them and and how how they use you know, a dotted line or or right. or whatever is the kids in in some strange situation or 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 whatever it is it, it's the way it's supposed to be to me it's all uh, you know we have a great sense of humor I was just going to say, I I forgot that when I was listing skills for cartoonists. Yes, obviously, sense of humor is very important. So, yeah, it sounds as though uh, both you and your dad had a sense of humor. Was that a big part of your family? Did everybody? Yes, absolutely. In fact, that was what I think drew my mom and dad together. Uh, um, They would just laugh together and find humor in the in the most ridiculous situations uh, you know one's trying to be my dad was always trying to you know trying to be a a very um important guy or whatever and then something would happen and it would just put him back in his place and they would just laugh about it and and you know he wasn't he wasn't upset about it they were you know they would just go you know it's just you'd shake your head and go well, I guess I got what I deserve type, <laughs> type of thing, which is a lacking a lot in people nowadays. Yeah. Ability to just, hey, you know, just just relax and don't uh, don't take everything so seriously that that and you you I, I, that's what I at least that's the way I I take it. I enjoy a, a good joke as as much as anybody and um the ability to laugh with each other or mm-hmm. is is important as long as it's you know laughing with each other and not laughing yeah at at somebody's you know downfall or whatever it is mm-hmm. one of the things i i noticed in looking through the the biotype thing was how many books are out there of the compilations and how yeah. many there was there was some uh, like two or three cartoons that were done like holiday cartoons and I even noticed that there was a a movie that was being proposed at one point live oh, action wow. movie and I guess we didn't see it so it must have stopped at some point but there's still some movie TV type things that keep coming up and and I would love to have a family circus in t- on tv or in the movies i think in movies it was hard because i don't think you can do it as live action with the kids at their age now because oh. it's just for one thing the kids kids actually are talking a little older than what yeah. they would be in real life and also very quickly they would grow up so right. as a tv series it wouldn't work live action now animation it it could but it, I I think it, it needs to be a a kids TV show that then can be go into all sorts of areas and kids imagination and using those things. And I have had interest. It just hasn't quite come about. Several times it's been very. There's some very creative screen writers. Mm. There's one woman in particular who's written some really good stuff that mm. was. That was um, very clever and very correct for Family Circus, which Mm -hmm. is uh, my biggest thing is it's got to stay the way it is. And unfortunately, they just haven't been able to quite get someone to pull the trigger and and actually actually do it. 
but um, I'm I'm always interested in trying to see if it can be translated into into the uh, another form. In that sense, Dad did do three animated specials when oh. 1979 and 80 and 81 or 78 and 79 80 there was a christmas special or valentine special and an easter special and they were oh, the stories were very good they're very different for nowadays but and the the animation was okay it mm. really it, it lacked animation but the stories themselves had had nice simple stories to them um i don't think they would you know, work nowadays mm. because it was just a little bit too um, simple and, mm. and slow, so to speak. You know, just move it. The pace was, you know, the pace then where mm. the pace now is really quick mm-hmm. and a lot of editing and stuff. So um, it would be nice if they were, we were able to do something like that. And I am very interested in trying to to do something, but it has to be done correctly. Yeah. Uh, the movies that were they were written, the first couple versions of scripts were just, they were fine as far as movies, but it wasn't Family Circus. It didn't need to be Family Circus. I'd, you know, I'd read it and go, but, you know, this family, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not family. It can be any family. Right. But it wasn't specific to Family Circus in the in the setting, and it needed to stay the same. You know, it's a it, clever script writing is you know it would have worked as any family, yeah. and um, whether it be successful, I don't know. But mm-hmm. but it has to be specific to the the feelings that Family Circus has as a broad readership. You know, it can't just fit um, for teenagers to really enjoy or the older people to really enjoy it's got a family circus reaches across a broad spectrum there's certain certainly ages where family circus is more relevant to people than other times you know i guess maybe if you're a you know a 20 year old guy or whatever and you know single and and dating and stuff it seems silly but um at least i i find uh, uh, that guys tend to to dismiss it um, as opposed to women, almost at any age, I think there's something that they are able to realize, you know, it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel something here. And mm. I think they're more open to the idea of feelings and things than necessarily. And that's a good thing for them. And guys tend to go, ah, I'm not gonna, you know, it's like, oh, it's just, it's just too, it, it, it's too, touching the heart whatever it is i don't i don't really want to deal with that mm-hmm. but i think probably when they're alone at, at, and <laughs> if, they were, if they weren't with a bunch of guys then they'd read it and they 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 remember and, and mm-hmm. or or look forward to uh, you know because when when they get married or and they have kids all of a sudden it becomes very relevant again mm-hmm. um, but that's what, as with all things you know we go through phases the comics page is that way to me you know, there's cartoons that I read a lot when I was little, and then I and I didn't read them at all when I was a teenager, and then you know, and then when I had kids, then then I would re- go back and read these others, and you know, Peanuts I would read as a young, then I dropped off reading it, and now I'm reading it again, and the the, the that's what's great about a comics page; it's full of all different ideas and different cartoons, and you don't have to read every cartoon but you read the ones that are relevant to you at that time mm-hmm. and then ones fade off and they fade just like i'm sure family circus does for people they stop necessarily meaning so much to them and then later on in life maybe they'll maybe they'll go back and read it again and that's where that's what's important about you know comics pages is to have a variety of stuff not to be you know married to one type of cartoon mm-hmm or uh or one perspective um but to have uh, a very eclectic mix of of ideas and things so that people can pick and choose because they will and they they they, they, they that's the way comic space should be at least to me yeah i think that's good i do, i agree and we were talking just briefly before the show about my memories of wanting to learn how to read so i could read the comic 
page. And right. there's something just very nostalgic about children reading the comics page, right? Well, you're not yeah. the only, yeah. I mean, I've heard that quite often. I have a, a, a great cartoonist friend, Rick Stramoski, who said, yeah, his his daughter learned to read by looking at Family Circus. And, it, and he's not the only one who said that to me, but it's, uh, they, and I, it, I think it had something to do with, you know, it's a very, usually a very simple caption at the end. Um, and and you can learn and you can understand usually what's what's in there. I think as parents, they were pretty safe letting their kids learn to read that one. There wasn't going to be anything in there necessarily that they had to describe too much of uh, or, you know, explain too much. And that's, you know, once again, that's uh, that was my dad's um, genius in that he was able to create something that generationally it could be read and enjoyed by grandmothers sending them to their to their daughters who then send them to their daughters who said and you know their sons and uh you know so many times i'm at the um uh i'm signing at the, the comic-con or whatever it is somebody will come come up and say my oh my my i can remember getting my grandma used to cut these out and send them and um, it's it's just it brings back such wonderful memories for them. And, you know, these are not these are uh, are families of all ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just a a series of Caucasians walking up the years. There's Hispanics and African-Americans and um, Asians that are that come up and, and they say, oh, this they would cut out and it means something to me. And to me, that's. That shows that the, those people are able to relate to something that necessarily doesn't look like them, so to speak. That's a great thing for those people because there's so many people now who just won't read. You know, so oh well, that that's not going to relate to me, or or um, you know, there's the, the cartoon a, a Jumpstart, which is um, Rob Armstrong, but it's an African American family. Some newspapers won't run that. Oh, we've already got a strip that already has, you know, is an African-American strip or whatever. Oh, my. Curtis or whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I think it's happening less now, but it's hard for those guys to get their cartoons necessarily in every paper because they think, oh, well, we, we don't we don't need that. But that's that's where I think we all make the mistake of, well, I, you know, I, I can't see myself necessarily in this. So. Um, I'm I'm not going to read it, and um, clearly those other um, cultures don't, or or nationalities or ethnicities are able to to go beyond that. It would be nice if, if all of us were able to go beyond that, and and, um, and or not and, not assume that yeah that yeah, we able that to we'll... find be able to find the the nuggets of truth in all of all of those uh, cartoons. Yeah, our shared experience. Like a lot of things, I think a lot of times it just takes that one cartoon or that one piece of music or that one article in a book or whatever to get people inspired to want to read and do and experience more of it. I mean, if someone reads your strip and they go, wow, that one really, I can see that, that that was our family. And then it kind of makes them want to see what else the family is up to. So it takes a, sometimes a connection to it in a way that we don't even think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that sometimes we put too many things in different, in a specific category and don't realize that, you know, you can learn something from all, all the categories. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, what a great note to end on. And Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to meet you, especially because you are such a handsome man. <laughs> yes, that, yes that, that, that's true. And this is the way to always meet me, especially online. <laughs> In person, well, it's not so great. Yeah, it's been so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much. And good luck with everything. Please keep in touch with us. We'd love to hear what you're up to if you've got any news. Yes, and if you know, if people want to read the Family Circus, all they have to do is is go to a local paper and, and see if it's in there, and then you'll buy a subscription. <laughs> well, it's usually in there. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know, more people need to read the newspaper more than yeah. necessarily just being online.
Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. I'll see you in the funny papers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sounds good. Bye now. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode. And give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon. And get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.